Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. Roger, we are wrapping up today a six-part series we called Coming Home to God. We've been looking at Luke 15, the prodigal son, and we started with what we called the 32,000-foot view. Then we talked about the far country, how it draws us out away from home, away from God. We talked about the prodigal coming to his senses and what woke him up. We had a lesson we talked about the father, who is really the highlight of this parable. It's the father who is gracious and loving. Then we talked about the elder son and his attitude and how he represents the Pharisees. There's one more lesson that we need to talk about. Now, the parable ends, but there are some logical thoughts that come to our mind, and that's where we want to take us. You know, it's it's interesting how many times you can go back and revisit this, how many different layers you see this. I remember years ago when I was a young preacher asking an older preacher how many sermons he had on the prodigal son, and he told me at the time he had 15 different sermons. <laughs> and I, I was amazed. I thought, how in the world? Now at this point in my life, I can't believe he only had 15. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there is just so much stuff here. It's just remarkable. We started out calling this a Friday's in January series, and we ran out of January Fridays. We had to extend it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where we go today is when the parable ends. And we need to remember when you're talking about Bible parables that there's one central thought. Sometimes we can make a mistake by trying to make an explanation to every bird, every rock, every tree. We understand that. There's one central theme here, and that is coming home to God, the grace and the forgiveness of God. That's what this is all about. But in, in the naturalness of this story, The prodigal comes home. He has no food, no friends, no compassion, no hope. And there's a celebration. There's music. There's dancing. There's an abundance of food. And for the first time in a long, long time, he's felt loved and accepted and wanted. The tears of shame have been replaced with smiles. Uh, I can imagine him shaking his head that night just thinking, I can't believe that my father's treating me this way. I don't deserve this. If we can imagine the scene that night when he's sleeping in his own bed, a belly full of food, his head just swimming wonderfully of the memories of how much his father loves him. It had to be one of the best days ever in his life. But then there's the next day. You see, the next day, everyone's gone home. The food was eaten, the music was over, and the next day the prodigal woke up in the same house that he ran away from. And so in this, there's going to be a lesson, and that's what we want to look at. I sometimes call this the next day syndrome, and we have it in a lot of different fashions. You go on vacation, and you're just away from your schedule, and you get to sleep in, and you get to see sights, and it's fun, no worries, no stress, and then you come back home, and the next day, you got to get up and go to work. Or it's the holidays, and you're off for a long period of time. You have breaks. You have all the fun around the holidays. But then the holiday's over, and then there's the next day. 
And that presents for us some spiritual lessons that we need to think about and we need to consider. Yeah, Jesus' actual parable, of course, ended with the father talking to the older brother. Uh, The younger brother isn't the only one who faced a next day, right? So we hear, as Luke 15, verse 31, depicts it, the father saying to the older son, Son, you are with me always, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. What we have as Luke 15, it stops right there. Jesus' parable ceases right there. Luke 16, one picks up with Jesus uh, telling a completely different parable, right? But if we put ourselves in this world of the parable of the prodigal son, that sun sets, everybody gets some sleep, the sun rises on the next day, okay, what then? What then? And to begin with, some things never changed. Uh, He was still under his father's authority. He was back home, but it wasn't his home. It was his father's home. And he left wanting to be on his own. He left wanting to be his own boss. No rules, freedom. Now he's back home. He's back home as a son, and there's responsibilities. He still had his obnoxious brother. The older brother didn't seem seem to be sorry when he left, and he didn't seem to be happy when he came back home. And that hasn't changed. So the prodigal comes home, and things are still the same. And, and this is where the next day syndrome catches us. Here's a Christian, and maybe he's been discouraged, and he's just not hitting on all cylinders spiritually. So he he backs out of worship services for a while. He doesn't come. He comes back, but something hasn't changed what's going to keep him there. Here's a young couple, and maybe their marriage has some problems, and they have some fighting, and they separate for a little period of time, and they come back together. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if nothing changes, what's going to keep them together? And so that leads us to what had to happen to the prodigal. The father didn't change. The older brother didn't change. What changed was the prodigal. He had to have a new outlook, a new outlook about himself, a new outlook about his father, a new outlook about his duties, a new outlook about his brother. You see, it was the same house, same father, same brother, same duties, but what changed was himself. His outlook changed. It makes me think of really a couple of different passages. The first one in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul talks about godly sorrow, right? He, he has written a, a scathing first letter to the church in Corinth, and he says, I, I am fully aware that I, I probably made you grieve in the writing, the receiving, the, the reading of that first letter. And I, I don't regret it, though I did regret it. it. It was probably a very hard letter to write. But what he is rejoicing in is that they were grieved into repenting. And he describes it this way in 2 Corinthians 7 verse 9. You felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us for godly grief 
produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. And so this this new outlook, Roger, that you're describing really, I think, revolves around godly grief. It's, it's one thing to be in the pig pen in the far country and realize I have hit rock bottom. Uh, one thing to realize I can't stay here. This is not good. It's not good for me. Uh, it would be better for me to go back home and be one of the lowliest servants It is amazing to be welcomed back by that father to have this celebration. But now, the next day, okay, is that godly grief alive in the heart of this son? Is it what Paul would describe as worldly grief that, okay, I don't like my circumstances, but I'm not really interested in changing Or is it godly grief that produces what the Bible calls repentance? And I think that's so important today because I think so many people today would have the prodigal coming home and then forcing the father to change, forcing the older brother to change. You know, I left, and unless you all change to my whims, I'm going to leave again. That's not what we read here in Luke 15. We we don't see somebody coming home demanding. We don't see him still full of a sin. We see him empty, as Jesus would describe the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. That's the way this prodigal was. I think another great section of Scripture is Colossians 3, where there the apostle says, Therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. It's a account of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. In them you once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on a new self who's been renewed to the true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. And he'd go on later on in the same chapter, verse 14, beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So what we see here is a change. I used to be this way. I used to live in these things. I used to have these attitudes. I used to have these uh, thoughts. I used to have uh, myself being in the forefront, making demands. But now I am the one who has changed. That's conversion. It comes from the inside out. And so for the prodigal to stay home, for the prodigal to realize what he now has as blessings, the prodigal had to change himself. It's what John the Baptist referred to as the fruits of repentance, right? You mentioned earlier the Pharisees. Uh, we talked earlier in this series how this parable, the two that come before it, have a context that's given to us in Luke 15, 1 and 2. The scribes and the Pharisees are grumbling that Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. It was the Pharisees and Sadducees that were addressed by John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 3. He called them brood of vipers, and he calls them to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so, okay, it begins with coming to myself, realizing how broken 
I am, how foolish I have been coming back home to the Father, discovering that the Father is extravagantly compassionate and gracious. But what about the next day? The next day is bearing fruit in keeping with repentance. Absolutely. And what, what Satan wants you to do, he wants you to see the pleasure of sin. But now the prodigal was seeing what the sin had done. Yeah. The sin had not only hurt himself, ruined him, it had really hurt his father. And Satan wants you to see what you're missing, but God wants you to see what you have. And what a contrast we see when we think about Adam and Eve in the garden with the serpent there. The serpent was focused upon one tree, the one tree you cannot have. There were all kinds of trees in that garden. And what Eve should have done was just spin around and say, look at this. I get to eat from all of these. <laughs> Instead of he had one, her looking at one tree, thinking about the one thing you can't. That's the way Satan operates. And so this change of thinking, this change within myself, a change of attitude, a looking at my blessings, a looking at really how good God has been to me, that helps you stay home the next day. But then the, the other aspect of that is you got to cling to Christ. you you, you got to keep growing in your faith and, and understand that Christ is going to keep you around, keep you away from the things that are wrong. And he's going to help you become what you need to become. That's all part of that next day syndrome as we think about this. Just coming home is wonderful, but if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah, you know, we <laughs> I, we couldn't imagine, let's say three years ago, having this sort of an illustration. But we live, of course, in a world where many people with the, the COVID virus have experienced a loss of taste or smell. And as you're talking about clinging to Christ, that what that, that's what came to my mind that, okay, this young man has tasted things that he had never tasted before, right, in this far country. We hear the accusation of the older brother, how the older brother believes he has squandered his property. And I think, Roger, last uh, Friday, you drew out that we don't know exactly uh, what all this younger brother was in, but we know that he is <laughs> readily willing to confess, I have sinned against heaven and uh, against you. He has tasted the forbidden, I, I feel very comfortable in in saying, and now he comes home. Okay, the taste and the smell for Christ. Is that going to be restored on the next day and the day after that and and the day after that? I think that's a very real challenge that we have to take into consideration when someone has had their life broken by sin. Okay, it's like my my spiritual taste buds have grown dull and what used to be satisfying, I, I've, I've tried to you know, drink sand with with sin, and now I'm coming back home, and I can be forgiven, but in many ways, probably getting back to spiritual health is going to be getting back into those spiritual habits and rhythms, reacquiring a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. I expect the prodigal saw things his father had never seen. Yeah, I, I, I doubt... The, a Jewish community, a Jewish culture, the father had ever been around pigs before. 
I doubt the father had ever fed pigs before. The prodigal is right there in the pig pen. He's right among the pigs. So he has seen things. He has tasted things. He, he has all that around him. But now it's a choice. Okay, what did all that do for me? It didn't help him. It ruined him. And remembering how hurt he was is going to help him. Now, one thing also, as we think about the next day, you know, sometimes we want to put a Disney t- uh, ending on this and everyone lives happily ever after. <laughs> that older brother wasn't happy he came home. There may be some people who will not forgive you because you've hurt them. There may be some people who will not accept you because what you have done. Yet you still need to come home to your father who will forgive you, and you need to still do what is right. And so he didn't stay away because, well, you know, I don't think my older brother's going to like me. He still came home, and what happened was he had a change of heart. And that change of heart is all the difference we need to see. Yeah, it may be that like that older brother, there are some who are just going to wait and see whether or not I'm really serious about this change. Let's see how long she is invested in being back where she needs to be rather than celebrating and embracing, maybe texting or calling the next day and saying, listen, you've been a big encouragement to me. There, There may be some who just take the approach of, well, let's wait and see, but I'm not optimistic. And I think you've You've accurately drawn out, Roger. My my ultimate accountability is to my Father in heaven. My ultimate allegiance is to Christ. I need to give everything that I have to give authentically, consistently, as best as possible in my relationship to him. And you hope and you pray that those older brothers and sisters, if you will, come to a point where they are able to say, listen, I'm here and I want to be of whatever support and encouragement I can be. I like to think, now, of course, this speculation, because the parable ends before we get to this point, but I'd like to think that next day that prodigal's up out of that bed early. And I'd like to think he's around the breakfast table with his father, and as a father saying, well, we're going out here and plow, or we're going to go over here and do this. Man, he was just eager to go. So happy to be home. Yeah. So happy to be around his father. And and so we, we translate that into us today. Here's somebody has been away from the Lord. Uh, it's coming Sunday. Man, I can't wait to get to worship. I can't wait to take the Lord's Supper. I can't wait to sing these hymns because I've been away and it means so much. And I, and I think that's, that's a, just a great passion he would have about that. Um, I, I just can't in my mind thinking, you know, it's getting to be 9, 10, 11 o'clock and the prodigal's still in bed and, and the father comes in there and says, hey, come on, we got work to do. And he just rolls over and says, no, I'm not doing it. Uh, I don't see that. I don't see that because I see a changed person. And that's what happens when we come home to Christ. We're, we're different. We're a changed person. And that's going to be reflective. Our family's going to notice that. Our coworkers are going to notice that. You're just not the same. And what's happened is I've woken up and I made the choice to be what God wants me to be. You know, the, the interesting reality is that prodigal, the next day, the next week, the next month, the next year, could be a new kind of influence for good that was even greater than before he left. And Roger, you and I, I, we've seen that. We've seen 
uh, broken-hearted brothers and sisters in Christ who, when they come to themselves and authentically confess sin and have a heart to rebuild and to to share with others from the wealth of their mistakes in order to try and and impart some wisdom and be some encouragement. A lot of times it's those sort of examples that do more good than two dozen sermons. Well, and, and what it does is it, it it allows the prodigal to understand someone who's been in the far country. Yeah. It's kind of hard to say to talk to somebody in the pig pen and say, hey, I know what it's like if you've never left home. He, he knew that, and he could help them. I know, I know a man today who spent a long time out in that wilderness. He left the Lord for a long, long time. Today, he's serving as a shepherd. And and I think that's one of the things, Luke 15, it's not the principal lesson, but it's a lesson we can get from that, is that you've made some mistakes, you let God down, you let your family down, you let yourself down. Don't Don't just say, okay, it's over, quit. No, God wants you to come back home, and you can be better. You can be better than you ever were before. And you can serve and find things to do that will be helpful to other people. That's one of the powerful things that comes out of that story. One of the most beautiful stories ever told. And we appreciate you giving us six Fridays to think through it. Roger, I agree with you. We we could take another six and just keep digging. But if you have missed any of these episodes, the overview of the story, the far country, the younger son coming to himself, this incredibly compassionate father, the angry older brother, And of course, today, the next day, uh, we would encourage you to go back, share these. We just talked with uh, an older sister in Christ, Roger, a week or so ago, who, I don't know about you, I didn't even know that she was listening to the podcast, but she wanted to know how she could share this series. She said the last four or five weeks have just been so encouraging walking through this story. And that's not because of us. That's just because it is a timeless masterful story. Thanks for joining all of us today. Uh, We appreciate our listeners so much. We hope that this particular episode and the series has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. We encourage you to remember when you are walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.